Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Petito. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Loves the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. One day at a time, free at last. When you don't know just what to do. Just what to do, just what to do. If what you're feeling is really true. It's really true. Really true. Just keep your ideas safe and sound. Safe and sound, safe and sound. That's exactly how change is found. Change is found, change is found. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Loves the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. One day at a time, free at last. Hello, everyone. Everyone out there who knows me knows I am the author of I'm Not an Addict, I'm Just an Ass. I'd rather be a smartass than a dumbass because, guys, 30 years ago, I was a dumbass. This July, I will be celebrating 30 years of being a smartass. And here I am to entertain you on RTR Remember Then Radio. You know, guys, I always bring it, right? But listen, today I'm really bringing it. Okay, so listen, I have another surprise. Before I introduce my guest, here's a little, little song, a little tiny, tiny uh, hint. Without further ado, I'd love to introduce to y'all the Bayonne Bleeder himself, Chuck Wepner. Say hello. Hi, Jerry. Hi, everybody. How you guys doing? <laughs> Listen, this is crazy. I have to say something to you. I've interviewed a lot of legends and a lot of great entertainers and very famous people. And I'm going to say that I've never received as many messages with my ad out until yours 
They're all going crazy. They all wanted to call in. They wanted to be a part of it. They wanted me to say hello to you. So I do have a few shout outs for you. Um, I had tons of them and I just can't get to all of them, but there's a reason why these few I will give a shout out to you for, okay? So, okay, that's fine, Jerry. all right. So, first of all, uh, a huge, huge shout out to Joseph Contorno. You know, him and Frankie Lons, the Royale New York Doo Wop Show, guys, Radio City Music Hall. I got to interview him recently and he was my connection to you. So, a huge shout out to Joe, both our buddies, right? Ah, oh, they're, they're my buddies. Them and Joe Carace. I used to call them the Three Musketeers. <laughs> I love it. We used to, that's right. I used to go to dinner with them on a Friday, and I wouldn't get home until maybe Sunday night. Oh, no. <laughs> Good old days. So, Joe, I love you, man. Thank you, thank you. Now, I want to say hello to Gary Penapinto um, from Frank Stallone Guitars, because he said to say hello to you. And Frank Stallone... Yep, Gary, and he introduced me to Frank Stallone, and I interviewed him last week, and Frank says hello, and when I mentioned you, he said, the Bayonne Bleeder, great guy, tell him hello. So those... Frank, Frank was a great guy and a great musician, so he wrote a lot of great music for the Rocky teams, and he made that he made that movie as popular as it is because of the great music. Amazing, right? Now, yep. I've got two more shout-outs for you from... A very good friend of mine, someone you worked with a very long time ago with him and his dad. So my good buddy, Mike Levin, who's now Levin Limousines, guys. He's an awesome driver. If you need a limousine, let me know. But him and his dad worked at Baxter Warehouse in Union, New Jersey with you many moons ago. And he is a huge fan and said to say hello to you. Well, I've been there with Baxter and uh, Allied Liquors now. I've been there 52 years, so I'm the senior man in the state of New Jersey, uh, senior active uh, salesman in the state of New Jersey. It's crazy. I remember those guys very well. Yep. Yep. Guys. Yep. You told me you remembered, you remembered his dad as well, so a shout-out to you from them. Now, <sighs> I have to give a shout-out to one of my favorite people, my cousin Stevie from Astoria, New York. Shout-out to Astoria, New York. First of all, he's only 50 years old. He knows everything there is to know about any sport, any boxing, anything. I called him up and said, Cuz, I'm not sure if you know this guy, you know, Chuck Wepner. He goes, Chuck Wepner, what are you kidding me? He's a Bayonne bleeder. He told me your entire life story. He didn't even see your documentary. I had to tell him to go check it out. He knew everything about you before that. And this is what he said. He said, he is a huge fight fan of yours, and he thinks Liston was the toughest guy you ever fought, and he thinks you are one of the greatest fighters of all time. That's from my cousin Stevie. Well, I agree with some of that. Liston was probably the toughest guy I ever fought. I went uh, 10 rounds with him in a 10-round fight, and I got 71 stitches of broken nose. <laughs> Broken left cheekbone, and I was so pressed in the fight when they, they committed the end of the beginning of the 10th round. Bonnie Felix, the referee, said, I got to stop the fight. You can't see, Chuck. And I said, I can see. He said, really? How many fingers do I have up? And I said, well, how many guesses do I get? Oh. He said, right, never mind. You can go out. And uh, the doctor stopped it with a minute and 23 seconds to go in the 10th round uh, because of cuts. Uh, they, they used to get all shook up over cuts. I never did, but they did. So, I want to let everyone out there really know a little bit about you. Because when I did some research, I was blown away. Okay, so, first of all, you fought some really legitimate greats. Ollie, Foreman, Sonny Liston. I mean, the list is endless. Um, Ernie Terrell. Ernie Terrell was WBO world champion. I beat him in Atlantic City for the world title in 1972. All right. There you go. You were also ranked contender. You Chuck. Yep, you fell just seconds short of a full 15 rounds with the heavyweight champion Ali, and you knocked his butt down. Yeah, I dropped him with a right hand under the heart, which, uh, you know, was a great moment for me. You know, as a matter of fact, I went back to the corner. I said to my manager, Al, slot the car. We're going to the bank with me and his. So my manager said to me, Chuck, you better turn around. He's getting up and he's just 
So then, you also, this is really cool for me. Andre the Giant versus Chuck Wepner from New York Shea Stadium, War of the Worlds, June 25th, 1976. Come on, he, w- he was a wrestler. Yeah, that was Andre the Giant. Yes. Yeah, we fought a couple out of that night. Ali fought Inoki in Japan, and I fought Andre uh, in Shea Stadium. We had 18,000 people there, and uh, a lot of wrestling fans in New York. And, uh, you know, Andre was a little bigger than me, 10 <laughs> plus five, 525 pounds. But uh, that was the biggest person I ever fought. I fought Victor the Bear twice, oh. and that was... Eight and a half feet tall, twelve hundred fifty pounds. So twelve hundred and fifty pound person. No, no. He oh, was, uh, 12, he was eight and a half foot tall, twelve hundred and fifty pounds. Oh, a Kodiak bear. I fought him twice for charity. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, now the last thing I want to say before you do most of the talking is this: the reason why. Joe said I had to meet you was I told Joe a story he said to me so who do you got coming up Jer and I said oh Frank Stallone I can't wait I said listen I cannot wait to interview him because I saw him back in the 70s he performed in my town he lived in Trenton I'm in Robbinsville and I got a fake ID but don't tell anyone to go see him that night I said and I'm great band and I said and I'm hoping to get a, a hello out of his brother because not only am I a huge Rocky fan, I almost got shot and killed in Russia in the 80s because of Rocky. And I told Joe that story. True story, guys. If anybody wants to hear it, message me. Okay? I was there on a health tour and had machine guns pointed at me because I was talking about the the Rocky movie in Russia and how Rocky beat the Russian. So anyway, having said that, that's why he introduced me to you and... Here's what I want to say, and then the floor is yours. The heavyweight boxer who inspired Rocky, Chuck's 1975 fight with Muhammad Ali, motivated Stallone to write about a fighting underdog, and he even wanted you in his movie. And your documentary is incredible. Now take the floor, baby. Oh, yeah. You know, Stallone, Stallone's a great guy. I love Stallone. He had a little problem. I went to court and all, but, you know... uh, if I if I had to think about it again, I probably would have done it. But it was that that was then, and this is now. You know, he's made so many great movies after that. And uh, the night that his picture, which I inspired Rocky, won the Academy Award for the Best Picture of the Year, he should have won Best Actor of the Year too. But he finished second, and I think he was ripped off personally. But uh, he's a terrific actor. He could do anything. He could do action. He could do comedy. Uh, you know, he's. Uh, He's just a terrific guy, and uh, I was very fortunate to be to be uh, involved with him. And I was a friend of his for over thirty years, and I still consider him a friend. Uh, and uh, I hope in the future that uh, we can get together again, like we did in the old days, thirty years ago, when Rocky was first made. And uh, you know, we we can have a good time together because, man, he's a he's a sharp guy, and he's a he's a terrific producer, director. He does it all. You know, I, everyone that has reached out to me, you know, you've got about, I don't know, a thousand hellos. So that's how I have to say it, guys, because I only have the hour. But everyone that reached out to me said he is one of the greatest and most of them seen your documentary. And they were like, what a story. So, Chuck, you have the floor. You can tell all your fans and all my listeners out there anything you'd like them to know right now. Well, you know, I I never considered myself to be a great fighter. You know, I fought in an era when there were a lot of great fighters, and I was ranked in the top ten guys in the world of over 2,000 heavyweights in that era. But And that was a great honor for me. But, you know, it's um, it's like anything else. That was then, this is now, and uh, I'm still doing great. I still work for a big liquor cup, biggest one in New Jersey, and uh, third or fourth biggest in the country, Allied Liquors, and... Uh, you know, I'm in sales with great people, great salesmen, and the owners there are great. And I love the job. That's why I'm there 52 years. And uh, I hope I'll be there 62 years, 72 years. So I have to put me over 100 years old. 
see if I'm 82 years old now. But uh, I'm a young at heart, 82, and uh, these, these things like this, these radio shows, meeting guys, guys uh, on the radio and television, meeting you, Jerry, you know, you're such a, you're such a great uh, show host, and uh, I saw pictures of you, you're pretty hot. Book. I love it! Listen, Chuck Webner, uh, you can call me hot anytime, baby. <laughs> If I think you're hot, I'll call you hot. Honey. I don't think you're hot. I just won't say anything at all. But <laughs> we're going to have to get together. And my wife, Linda, uh, who set you a D for the interview, but uh, she's probably busy on the run. We sell liquor. And uh, But uh, you and my wife would get along great because she's hot, too. And she's, uh, she's a lot of fun. And uh, when we go out, we do it up. And uh, like I said earlier, Joe Carace. Joe Contorno, Frankie Lons, my buddy, and uh, those guys, uh, it all started with them 40, 45 years ago after the title fight and, uh, and the Rocky movie, of course. And uh, I'm so great friends with them to this day. Well, I have another shout-out. We've got someone in the chat room, Johnny Boom Boom. And I got the honor of meeting him recently through another friend. And his name is John Frieda. And uh, yes. Yes. And when, listen, when I told him I was interviewing, he went bananas and he's like, Lizard, and he's in chat room. He's never been in this chat room for any of my interviews until today. So John Frieda, man, we love you. And he just sent me a text and I've got to ask you because he was in the ring many, many moons ago. And, you know, he says... All right. He says, ask you about your longtime friend, Bob Rooney, who passed, Randy Newman, Buffano's Jim, and living in Bayonne. Well, you know, Bobby Rooney was not only my my chief fire partner, but he was also the director of the Bayonne PAL Boxing Club in Bayonne. And uh, that's actually where I won the... Uh, uh, New York uh, and East Coast uh, Golden Gloves Heavyweight Championship in 1965. That was the amateurs. And uh, Bobby and I were dear friends our whole life, but we were Marines together, although I was in way before him. I was in 56 to 59. I got discharged as a non-commissioned officer. And uh, I was with Bobby the day he passed away. Uh. Uh, yeah, Bobby died of uh, Asian Orange, something he contracted while he was serving in Vietnam, and, um, well, that was then, like I said, and, of course, Randy Newman, I fought Randy three times, a terrific fighter, wow, every fight was a war with that guy, and, um, uh, funny story, the third, the third time we fought, uh, he won the first one, I won the second, and the third one was a, was a bang-out brawl, and we, they separated us, and Randy had a bad cut over his eye. And there was blood all over the place. And I thought it was my blood. And the referee said, wow, oh, look at that cut. And I said, wait, ref, let me, let me, give me another round or two. I'm all right. He says to me, Chuck, you're not, you're not cut. Randy Newman is. I said, oh, my God, what a terrible looking cut. You should stop the fight. And the referee did it. I won the fight on a uh, seventh round uh, TKO uh, because Randy was cut so bad. And uh, Randy went on to, to own his own company. He's a... Uh, stockbroker and uh, investment counselor and uh, very, very big, big, uh, big boxer he was in his day. Right now, he's the head commissioner for the whole United States for referees. He's uh, he's a director, very smart guy. And uh, well, that was my story about Randy. And we're still good friends. Wow. Okay, Buffano's Jim, Randy, oh, living in Bayonne and Buffano's Jim. Oh, real quick, I want to share this real quick about um, John. He also used to practice in the same gym with um, Stallone. Exactly. Yeah, with Stallone. Go ahead, tell it. We fought, uh, and I also trained at Buffano's Gym. Don Buffano was my trainer, and uh, that's where we trained. I trained for the title fight there, and then I went to Cleveland for the last week and finished up, but John Frieda was always a tough guy. John was uh, smaller than most of us, but John would fight heavyweights, middleweights, uh, light heavyweights, anybody. John was just a, a legitimately tough guy, and uh, we loved boxing and training in the Fanos. I ain't afraid of no John. So, and also, he says, and I agree, a statue should be in Bayonne Park at the top of the steps about you. 
like Rocky. They have, they have it already. They built the statue at a cost of over two hundred forty thousand dollars. It's seven and a half feet high. I think I sent you a picture. I have the photo of that. Where is it at, though? Right now it's in Philadelphia in storage because we had to send it there to be bronze. Okay, because we need it at the top of the steps, baby. Well, that's where it's going to be. they got to have it at the top of the steps in Bayonne Park, and they're thinking of calling that area Chuck Wepner Way. Woo! And They've already had a huge mural on me, a 50-foot-high mural on 33rd Street, and now they are got to have that statue. So I have that photo with you and your wife standing near it, and I want to give a shout-out to Linda because I already love Linda. Linda's been incredible to me, and, she, you know, you're, let's talk about your documentary because... That was when I saw the younger side of Linda, and I love her. So talk about that. My documentary was with Lee Schreiber. Yeah, it's called Chuck. It did great. And uh, Liam Schreiber and Naomi Watts. I mean, uh, they were both uh, nominated for Academy Awards. They're big-time actors, and Liam did a great job in the movie, and so did, uh, so, so did uh, my wife's portrayal of the movie. Um, it was it was like an awesome awesome time then. Uh, it's the movie's still out. You can get it on Netflix. It's called Chuck, Naomi Watts, and uh, Leah Schreiber. And uh, people are still calling me about it. And uh, I'm very thrilled and honored that you know, Leah and Naomi would play those parts in my movie. Well, the the. The documentary is incredible, and I don't just say that, and I wouldn't say that if I didn't believe it. I I couldn't stop. I watched the entire thing from beginning to end, and I was blown away. There was so much in it that touched me personally, even, even, you know, it's out there, guys, so even the drug addiction, or not so much your drug addiction, but what went on, and, and the jail time, and I didn't know any of that. So for you to, you know, you're an open book, for you to put all that out there was incredible. Well, I insisted on doing that. I waited five years. I wouldn't let them gloss over the movie. As I want the movie to be a truthful life story about me. And I waited for the right the right actor to play it. They brought up four or five guys for me during that five-year period from Mike Tolan, who was a producer. And uh, I turned them all down until he told me he could get Liev Schreiber. I said, Liev Schreiber, the actor that did the remake of The Manchurian Candidate, man, yep. A great actor. You gotta get. If you can get him, I'll sign on tomorrow. And he did get him, and uh, the movie turned out to be a, a great thing. You know, it's a, it's a very well done movie, and uh, yes, I loved the portrayal, and uh, I loved everything about it. I became uh, good friends with Naomi and uh, Liv, especially Liv. We've been out a few times together, and uh, he's a solid, great, uh, great actor. The scene that got me the most, of course, was when you were trying out for Rocky and Rocky said, Chuck, go into the bathroom and and wash your face. I really want you in this movie because you couldn't do the lines. And you went in the bathroom and you tried to wash your face and you looked in the mirror and you cracked your head against the mirror. Yeah. Can you... And I also punched the the, uh, urals. Yep. And there was a guy sitting there. And he said, what the hell's going on here? And I said, oh, I'm just reading for a part. I'm trying to get into the into the part. He said, well, let me get the hell out of here. And he ran out of the bathroom. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I screwed that up. So Long gave me every opportunity. He even called me back in for a second reading, which they never do, in front of all his co-producers. Yes. And uh, he did everything he could possibly do and gave me the chance, and I just muffed it myself. Nobody else, nobody else to blame but me. But, you know, that makes me, you know, even more love him, knowing he did that for you. And, you know, that was a beautiful moment where he whispered in your ear, I really want you for this part. And it showed a side of him as well, the human side. So I love that. And how did you feel? Oh, I loved when you went in the restaurant and you were like, I'm here to see Stallone. And they're like, is he expecting you? And you said yes. And he and he wasn't. But then when he saw you, he just welcomed you in. How did that feel? Oh, it felt great. It felt great when they told me that uh, one of his co-producers called me before the movie came out and told me about it and said that Stallone, you know, was writing a movie and had been inspired by me and they wanted me to... to uh, to get in touch with Stallone, and so I did. I went over there, and sure enough, he made a big thing. And like I said, the guy was always great to me. 
I love the guy, and uh, he's. Uh, I'm, I'm honored that somebody like that would would play my part in the movie. Well, look at your fight with Ali. I mean, I want to talk about that a minute too because I don't watch fights. I mean, I've seen, of course, little tidbits from my dad and my brother growing up, but and I wouldn't really watch them. But I watched that entire fight, and I was loving it. And I'm like, he did knock him down. He did knock him down. <laughs> so how did that feel? I hit him with a right hand right under the wall. One of the best body punches. I'm not a body puncher. I'm a headhunter. But my manager said, you know, when he throws that jab, slip under it. You can hit him in the body. And that's just what happened. I threw the right hand in the ninth round and dropped him and... Uh, you know, the rest is history. You know, I was the only guy ever in history to drop Muhammad Ali in a world title fight when he was champion. He had been down twice before, but I'm the only one to drop him when he was world champion. So, okay, my cousin Stevie said something to me when I first called him about you. And he said, he's the only guy that ever did that. He's the only guy. And he said, until the day Ali died, he would say he didn't knock him down. He tripped over his own foot. Is that true? Did he say that? Yeah, he said up with that, him and Drew with me, <laughs> up with that at the uh, press conference after the, after the fight was over. And, uh, you know, talking about Ali, he became such a great dear friend of mine, and I went up to his wake. I drove down to Kentucky with my wife, Linda, and we went to the wake, and we sent the champ off like he should have been because he was such a great fighter and a great guy. So you've never left Bayonne. Through all the fame and fortune, you've never left Bayonne. No, I'm still here. I mean, we have a place in Hollywood, Florida, too, which, you know, my, my wife wanted to buy it, and I call that Linda's Love Shack. <laughs> well, we go down there whenever we get a chance, and uh, unfortunately, we don't get down there enough because we're, we have this job with Allied. We're both salesmen. Linda, by the way, is one of the top 20% out of over 500 salesmen. Uh, she's, she did almost $4 million in sales last year. She's, she's a superstar. She's the greatest. And she's a twice the salesperson I ever was. She's also your right-hand woman because oh, right. just from Perfect. talking to you guys, but also from that documentary. She's right here. Yeah, hi, hi, Linda. How you doing? Good. Listen, I want I want to say hello to you in front of everybody. I'd like you to say something. Say something on behalf of your relationship with him, the documentary, or just your hubby. Or I love you. I think you are incredible. And if it wasn't for you, a lot of things would have been different. Okay, I agree with you. Well, I'll tell you what. I met him in set this up guys so what else let's talk about i always ask 
All right, I'm going to tell you something that was told to me, okay? Hi. Being a female, a mother, a grandmother, you know, I never understood boxing. And Hi. Tito Santana was the only one I would ever watch for five minutes because I always thought he was hot. I was young. And my dad, to get me to sit in the living room with him for a few minutes, he would be like, Tito's on, Tito's on, and I'd come in and smile, sit there for a few minutes, and that was about the extent of it. But I never understood it. And I used to think, and then the female fighters, and and I used to think, why are these people doing this? What is wrong with them? Why do they want to hit somebody so hard? Why do they want to get beat up? I never got it. Well, one day... I meet a young guy um, in my town, and I'm going to be interviewing him. He was a boxer. He still is. He, he a weightlifter. He's in incredible shape, and he's also, um, uh, you know, oh, my gosh, for singers and all, he's our bodyguards. So he was going to be on my show, and he has on his knuckles, it says, won't quit, tattooed on his knuckles. And I said to him, all right, since I'm going to be interviewing you, can I ask you a question off the air and then if okay on the air? And he said, you could ask me anything. And I said to him basically what I just said to you. And I said, why? And this is what he said. And he made me get it. He said, Jerry, a lot of fighters, the majority of us had tough lives. He said, and we came out of it stronger than ever. And we have to know that when we get in that ring, it's not that we want to beat the other person up. We want to know we can take it and we'll still stand no matter what. That's what he said. What are your thoughts? That's true. That's a very true saying. And uh, that's, uh, that's the measure of a man. You know, it's, um, boxing's a tough sport. You know, all the sports are. But, you know, once you get into the top of any sport, you have to be an exceptional person. Top of baseball, basketball, soccer, anything. And uh, to go in there and, and try to get to the to the top of the hill, or in, in my case, the top ten in the world, they used to say, if you, ever, if you can make the top ten in the world and get ranked in the top ten in the world, you, you're there, even if you don't win the championship. Well... I didn't win it, but I got pretty close. I was ranked in the top ten. I fought the greatest and most famous man that ever lived, maybe one of the two or three greatest heavyweights that ever lived. And uh, I won 15 rounds, gave him my best shot. And uh, and for a guy who never had any real formal training, I never had a full-time trainer. I was never subsidized. I used to have to do my road work in the morning, go to work all day, and then go to the gym at night. Uh, that's why I'll always be thankful to Don King, my promoter who not only promoted the fight, got me the shot against Ali, but sent me away to camp for seven weeks and allowed me to get myself into tip-top shape, great shape, and had the best of sparring partners and to live up there without having to work or or do anything stressful. Um, I, I owe Don King a lot, too. And not only Don, but my manager, Al Braverman, who, uh, who uh, was a friend of Don King's and, he also helped the it for me. And, you know, they gave me the chance, and I capitalized on it. You know, here it is, 46 years later, people are still talking about the Ali fight with Chuck Webner for the title. And out of that came the movie Rocky and meeting Stallone and the movie Chuck and the three documentaries. And uh, all of this came out of that one fight where I got a chance to prove that I belonged in the ring. That was also my line. The line that Stallone said in the movie Rocky, even if I don't win, I want to prove to the people that I belong in the ring that night. And I think I did that. Well, you sure have done that. I mean, you know, for not winning, the world knows you. Everyone considers you this incredible champ. I mean, I am not kidding you. I'm going to say this again. This interview right here has gotten me more people contacting me than any other interview. I mean, people were going crazy. Tell him I said, hello. Oh my gosh. He's the Bayonne bleeder. Oh my gosh. I mean, craziness. <laughs> so, you know, 
It, it got me so much, too. You know, we had 2,000 people waiting at the airport in Newark when I arrived home after the title fight. And that was for a guy who lost the fight. 2,000 people. I mean, the, the sheriff uh, uh, of Hudson County was there with a with a with one of his cars with an escort of three others' cars, and they gave me a ride back to Bayonne. Willie Wolf, who was the sheriff at that time, and... Uh, you know, like I said, people are still talking about it, and uh, I was pretty confident I was going to win that fight because I was in such great great shape. Uh, I was so confident that the day before the title fight, I went out and bought my wife a powder blue negligee. Oh. I gave it to said, honey, where is the bed tonight? Because tonight you can be sleeping with the heavyweight champion in the world. Oh. And I came back to the hotel room after the fight. I walked in, and my wife was sitting there in the negligee. She says... Am I going to Ali's room or is he coming to mine? <laughs> oh, but, you know, she had a really dry humor, and, um, but, you know, I proved to everybody that I, I belonged in there that night. Nobody got robbed on what they paid for their ticket. It was all worth it. But, you know, from an observer, you already won that fight. To me, listen, everybody went crazy based on you knocking him down and staying the length of the fight. I mean, you you won. To me, you won. You're the champ, okay? Ali was just that's Ali that night. That's <laughs> what Howard Cassell said. He said, you know, that night, Chuck Webster proved more in a loss than Muhammad Ali did with a win. Oh, my gosh, and I didn't know that, and I just said similar. Cassell <laughs> was a good friend. You know, I became a good friend of Howard's answer because we did a couple of interviews with him. Uh, and uh, that night, Ali knocked off uh, Cassell's wig uh, during the interview. And uh, uh, Howard used to say, Ali, you're so truculent. And Ali didn't know what that meant. You know, he used to use these big words. Truculent means so crazy. You know? <laughs> and uh, Ali would say, you know that truck thing that you said about me? He says, I don't know what the hell it means, but I don't think I like it. <laughs> And he always had a rhyme or a poem for everything. And, uh, you know, people, he, he, didn't, he didn't need anybody else to promote his fights except him. Because he was the greatest promoter of all, besides being one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. You know, listen, tell, can you tell us a little something about Ali as a person? Because did he whisper in your ear, you're one guy I don't want to get caught in a dark alleyway with? He said that at the, the, the interview after the fight. The, the uh, interview after the fight, he said, I told you guys he was tough. That's one guy I wouldn't have won. I wouldn't have to go against in a dark alley. <laughs> and he, uh, he, he whispered a couple of things in my ear during the fight, too. He called me a whitey, you know, MF. You know, that was that the way he talked. He didn't mean nothing by it. He just tried to get try to get you PO'd and try to get you to do things that uh, I was trying to wear him down. I knew I couldn't beat him. I knew he was <sighs> good for me. I figured if I could wear him down, like I scored a lot of my knockdown, knockouts late in the fight after I'd wear guys down, and uh, I thought he'd run out of gas, maybe he'd take me lightly and he wouldn't be in the best of shape, but he was just so great, and he just, uh, he was, the greatest fighter I ever fought all around, like I say, and I fought four world champions and uh, five guys ranked in the top ten in the world. So Holly uh, was still the best. You know, um, I have to say, I want you to tell everyone, because I'd like to hear the answer to this as well. I'd like you to tell everyone what really inspired you to want to fight. You want to fight? Well, you know, I was a basketball player in my young years. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, eight, nine years old, I lived right up the block. Uh, we lived uh, in a basement apartment, uh, actually in a room in the back of the basement apartment. Uh, with my mother, my brother, and I, my mother raised us. And uh, right down the block was the PAL, a couple blocks away, two blocks away. We was on 25th Street. That was on 23rd Street. And... Uh, Anyway, I uh, I used to fight these smokers, and I liked it. It was competition, and I liked it because it was a one-on-one -on -one sport. One guy, you didn't have to worry about anybody else on the team fouling up. It was just all on you. And, uh, I don't know, I, I got asked to join the PAL boxing team in 
kind of agree with you there. So let's get back to the documentary for a minute. Um, Was there anything that was left out or something like that that's not in there that you think should have been in there that's important that you want to tell everyone? I think they did a pretty damn good job. I was thrilled with the movie when I saw the final final film and I watched it and uh, you know that thing where he's walking down the steps in the fur coat with the hat and blowing yes. <laughs> that was me yes. I used to do this on the Jersey Shore uh, the, I was down the Jersey Shore after that fight from 1970 to 80 and they, they did a big article on me called the King of the Jersey Shore and uh, I used to wear the whistle and blow it when I wanted the bartender to, to come down and give us drinks and uh, I partied down there a lot from 70 to 80, and uh, it was uh, it was during that time that I got the shot. You know, I took the seven weeks off in 75 uh, to fight Muhammad Ali, and uh, it was an honor. It was an honor to fight the greatest, and it was uh, it made so many friends for me, and to this day, people still talk about it. My license plates, which the governor of New Jersey gave me, uh, Richard Hughes, they say champ but boxing gloves. Wow. And that's, the only place, that's the only place like that in the world. That's Champ really was, cool. <laughs> and it's so beautiful. It's so cool. Everybody takes pictures of Well, when I see you, you'll be in my car because I'm driving a brand new Lincoln Continental. I, I, you know, I lease cars. Every two years I get a new one. I'm a big Lincoln man. I, my wife just bought a new Lexus. Lexus uh, SUV. And so we like the big cars and... Uh, we're, uh, we're outgoing people, and we, we, we like to tell like it is. I was very happy with the movie, and I think it's uh, that scene in the pool, exactly. We used to, used to stay at motels on Route 71, and twice the cops had to come in and told us to get dressed. <laughs> when I went down, we used to bring all the go-go girls that I knew from the different clubs, and uh, everybody was naked. Linda, you slap know, him. Slap him, Linda. I know. Before you started talking about that, that was my very next question, if we could have talked about that a little bit. I want to ask you one more question, um, because, of course, 
you know, like I said, 30 years ago, I, I did heroin and all that craziness and I changed my life 30 years ago. Okay. So that really touched me in the movie and that you put it out there and that was beautiful. The other scene that was beautiful to me was when your brother picked you up to bail you out, who you weren't, who didn't really speak to you. And she said, I guess it was his wife in the car that said to you, he's seen everything. He has a scrapbook with all your articles and he knows every, I, I cried. Well, my brother just died about seven or eight months ago. I'm so sorry. Yeah, he had, uh, he had some problems, and he just, he fought it for a couple of years, but it just got the best of him, and uh, he passed away. But uh, my brother, even though he used to yell at me a lot, and a lot, he's you're my younger brother, too, not my older brother, I'm oh. the older one. And, uh, but he's a good man, and him and his wife, Flo, were very good to me, and he's the one that, uh, the night I got arrested, uh, the captain down there, by the way, the cops. I love cops. I've been a cop person, a police person yep. my whole life. I, I have them in my family, yes. And they're great. They were always great to me. They're always decent to me. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it, they were very decent to me. They they never even locked me up that night. They arrested me. They had me. I was entitled to one call, and I called my brother, who got in touch with a judge. And the judge set bail, and they released me immediately, you know. And uh, I was out on bail, $100,000 bail. But, it, uh, you know, it gave me the opportunity to set up uh, what I what I had to do and straighten my life out, and uh, and I have. And I'm, I'm very proud of that myself, too. And I, I met my wife, Linda, when I got home from the joint, and uh, she saved my life because I was probably going to wind up with the same people that I was hanging out with before I went away until when I came back. And once I met her, my wife didn't drink, didn't uh, didn't uh, party or anything else. You know, she was just, uh, she smoked. That was her one problem, and she quit that, too. She Beautiful. Quit smoking. I already love her. I've talked to her several times. I already love her. So guys, we're, com we're coming to the part of the interview now, Chuck, where we're going to be getting ready to close soon. We still have a few minutes, but I would like you to share any other information, you know, about your um, documentary again, whatever it is that you want them to know, please do it now. Well, I just want them to know that uh, the documentary was done very, very tastefully. Mike Tolan, who was the producer, and stuck by me with everything, and got me the actors, got me Liam Schreiber, got me Naomi Watts, and uh, he, he was just great to me. And it was, uh, you know, because of him, that movie was made, and it was made great. And uh, the people that waited for me and uh, waited me to get my act straight are still my friends now. And uh, guys like Joe Contorno and Frankie Lyons and Joe Correa, I talked to them at least a couple of times a month. And it's because the great guys like that that I'm doing so well now. So I want to personally thank um, Barb and Steve for this platform, Remember Then Radio, because without this platform, we wouldn't have this show right now here today. Um, you know, I get to bring a lot of incredible interviews here, but I'm going to say that to me, this was one of the coolest for so many reasons. Um, and I never thought I'd ever say that a boxer was one of my coolest interviews. Okay. <laughs> so this is so cool. I want to thank you personally, personally for honoring me with this interview, Chuck Wepner and for Linda in the background, baby. Thank you. Thank you for letting this happen, for helping him with this. And um, my savior. Oh, and I want to thank everyone in the chat room and I want to thank everyone out there listening guys, you know, um, based on my connection with Chuck also with the addiction back then, I would like, Bye. I would like to close with a poem from my book because I think it's appropriate. If I could change 30 years ago, God saved my life guys. If Chuck could change when you see that, when you see his documentary for this man to change, Linda was his earthly angel. And if we could do it, anyone out there can do it. I want to let everyone out there know that you're not alone. You're not hopeless. 
If anyone reaches out to me, I'm a recovery coach, a nutritional health coach. My services to you are free. Please, please share this show. Watch his documentary because you will not believe it. And Chuck and Linda, again, I want to thank you guys so, so, so much. What an incredible interview. And again, I'm going to get Johnny Boom Boom Frida to get me to meet you guys. We're all going to have dinner together, okay? Uh, you can get anybody. I just uh, I'll tell you, I love taking people to dinner. So, and, uh, do things in common. I love people take, taking people to dinner. Linda, Linda loves to go out to eat. You got so. that right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm a vegan chef, an Italian here. How about that? But, oh, <laughs> so, all right. I want to close this show, guys. Thank you again. I love both of you, and I can't wait to meet you. I want to close this show with a poem I wrote. In my book, I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. I'd rather be a smart ass than a dumb ass, guys. It's called Change Your Choice. We all have choices to make, and we should choose wisely. I had a life-changing moment that I knew had to be. The only way to change things was to first start with me. So I looked in the mirror and woke up one day and thought to myself I needed to pray. So I asked God to change me, to help me stay strong, to clean up my mess, to right what's been wrong. I cleaned up my diet, I cleaned up my room, I cleaned up all habits with this old dirty broom. I kept going forward and never looked back, I refused to derail, stayed on the right track. I realized my worth and all that did matter through my selfish behavior, the lives I had shattered. I finally decided at 30 years old to stop abusing my body, my mind, heart, and soul. My life-changing choice that I had once made, almost 30 years now, guys, my debt has been paid. So you read all my thoughts on how to stay clean. It's all or nothing, my friend. There's no in-between. To live or to die is a choice you must make. Your life is not worthless, and you're not a mistake. One day at a time is a slogan you've heard. It works if you work it while applying his word. For you to get healthy, 